Hello, I'm Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Today, I'm personally speaking, I'll be joined by a Tony Award-nominated stage, film, and television actor, Andrew Ronalds. Andrew stars in the Netflix film, The Prom, opposite Meryl Streep and James Corden. Please stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Gimosanti, and actor Andrew Ronalds joins me now. Andrew was most recently seen in Ryan Murphy's Netflix adaptation of The Boys in the Band opposite Jim Parsons, Zachary Quinto, and Matt Bomer, as well as Tuck Watkins. He also stars in the Showtime series Black Monday and is best known for his role as Elijah in the HBO series Girls. Andrew is well known for his work on stage, having starred a number of acclaimed Broadway shows. He made his Broadway debut in Hairspray, played the role of Bob Gaudio in the National Tour of Jersey Boys, and originated the role of Elder Price in the Book of Mormon, which earned him a Tony nomination. Andrew also played the role of King George III in the acclaimed Hamilton, and he was in the Broadway revival of Falsettos, which earned him a second Tony nomination. On the big screen, Andrew can be seen in films such as A Simple Favor, Why Him, and The Intern. He's also written a book called Too Much Is Not Enough, a memoir of fumbling toward adulthood. Andrew currently stars in the Netflix feature The Prom, a film version of the Tony-nominated musical alongside Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, and James Corden. And he's here to talk to us today about that film, as well as to talk about his life, his career, and the values that matter the most to him. Joining me now, I'm very pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, the actor, Andrew Reynolds. Tell me about Reynolds. What kind of name is that? Well, it's actually Reynolds. Reynolds. long A. Reynolds. Okay. Reynolds, um, got it. Reynolds. It is, um, it is Irish. It oh, is Irish okay. Name. Yeah. But you're yeah, a blend, right? I'm sorry? You're a blend, right? I'm a blend. I'm Irish and Polish. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> very Catholic, you know? Very Catholic, very um, <laughs> hardworking. That's right. Great people. people, great people. Yes. We'll talk about that some more later on. But I went, to see the, I went to see The Prom on Broadway, loved it, made me laugh, made me cry. How is the movie put out by Netflix going to be as an experience? Is it opened up? Is it different? Am I going to enjoy the same things? Tell us about The Prom. I think you'll enjoy the same things. You know, it's it's a it's a very um, uh, uplifting story about this girl in the Midwest in Indiana who um, who is denied access to her senior prom because she's a lesbian and she wants to take her girlfriend. And the PTA decides that that's not allowed. And this group of four very narcissistic Broadway actors hear about this on Twitter and they decide to go to Indiana to save her. And what they quickly learn is that she doesn't really need saving. <laughs> um, but, uh, but they think that they can solve all of her problems. And in fact, she ends up solving a lot of theirs. Right. So uh, it's a great, it's a, just a really great um, 
story and a fun, fun uh, time. The music is fantastic. I mean, it's a big sort of old fashioned movie musical, right. which is is really exciting. And I've never gotten to to be a part of anything quite like that, even though I've done a lot of musicals. I've never right. done one on film. So um, thank you, Ryan Murphy, for, right, for right. making all of this happen, because it really is just a big, splashy, fun uh, musical that I, I hope that, you know, it comes out December 11th um, in time for the holidays. So I, I hope mm-hmm. that people, you know, families enjoy it. It's, it's one of those, it's a movie that, you know, works on a lot of different levels. So you can watch it with your kids, but I think as a, as an adult, you can also really enjoy it because there's a lot of, there's, you know, there's, there's storylines on every, on every level. Okay, Andrew, uh, that's a perfect segue. Uh, a show like ours, personally speaking, is uh, is listened to by tons of parents around the country. A lot right. of them, a lot of them Catholic, not all. I mention that because uh, having grown up yourself with some of what the prom is all about, what are parents supposed to do? Uh, when their kid says, this is what I think I may be. Uh, we had that, you probably know Andy Mantis on not too sure. long ago. And Andy said, you know, I'm tired of people saying parents should be about acceptance or tolerance. He said, those have a, a whiff of condescension. I'm looking for parents who, he said, embrace their children when they decide to tell them that this is part of their identity. You've been yeah. through this. You've walked through this. Is there a right or wrong way to handle it? Um, is there a right or wrong way? Um. Uh... I don't know. I mean, yes, the wrong way is to, <laughs> yeah. to the, the wrong way is to, you know, uh, deny your, your child, the love that you already have for them. Right. Um, you know, I hear these heartbreaking stories about kids being kicked out of their homes mm. after they come out. And, you know, that's, um, and that still happens. You know, I remember, you know, hearing about that in the, in the nineties when I was thinking about coming out, coming out, and, you know, was terrified, even though I knew my parents loved me, but there was always a little bit in the back of my mind that I was like, but what if they reject me? So I guess rejection is the wrong way. Um, I, you know, my mom and my dad both sort of had two different approaches. My mother, when I came out to my mother, she said, uh-huh, um, like, <laughs> no surprise. She was not surprised at all. Okay. My father, on the other hand, he said, he was like, well, I love you very much. I don't believe you need to be this way, but if you want to be this way, I love you. And I really stung because yeah. obviously I wasn't choosing to be gay. This was some, this is just the way that I was, I was born. But when I, I went away to college, I came back for Christmas and my dad pulled me aside and he said, I've been thinking about it. And you were born this way yeah. and I was wrong. And he, you know, he, he didn't you know, necessarily apologize, but he, he understood that mm-hmm. obviously this is not something that you are, that you choose to do, or you are made into a gay person. You're born that way. And he said, you know, he was like, when you were five years old and you wanted to be a solid gold dancer, I knew there was something <laughs> special about you. <laughs> Um, So he had to admit, he was like, no, this is not something that you, that you choose. This is just the, you know, it's just your genetic makeup that that's who you are. Uh, Andrew, a lot of parents think that when uh, a guy like you gets into acting, it's a wonderful avocation, but they'd rather you have a nine to five job with a steady paycheck and a pension. Your parents, their response to you choosing to embrace a life in the arts was? Um, initial, well, they were sort of hands off, you know, when I was doing 
theater. I did, you know, a lot of theater in Omaha and a lot of like local TV commercials and, and things like that. And they would, they would, you know, drive me there, but yeah. then just sort of like drop me off. And they weren't <laughs> super involved in, in the process. And then when I decided to go to college um, and study acting in New York, um, they were supportive, but they also, uh, my parents didn't, um, uh, they didn't pay for school for, for any of us. There's five kids and they made the decision that yeah. we're not going to pay for college for you kids. So it's up to you to get scholarships and, and do that. So I got, you know, a full ride to go to this, this school in New York and they just sort of, you know, they came to New York, they dropped me off. They wished me luck. I mean, it was kind of, they didn't know what to say. And later as I started to work then professionally, my mother admitted to me, she was like, we just didn't know what to say. We didn't know, we, we couldn't help you. There was nothing, they didn't know anything about the business or the world that I was getting into. And um, so it wasn't for lack of interest. It was just that they were kind of, you know, out of their depths that they didn't, they didn't know what to say to a kid who wanted to be an actor. So um, it was, in, in some ways it was, it was good. It made me very resilient and it made me, um, I think, much stronger and I think more driven because a lot of my friends' parents are very involved in their careers and it's, um, that's annoying in a different way. <laughs> I certainly don't need my mother asking me about callbacks or like what's happening with that. Um, so she still to this day is like, she's kind of, you know, hands off. Yeah. Now for people who don't know Andrew well, you may not know that he could be a poster boy. This is a, this is the Catholic channel we're on. He could be the poster boy for Catholic education. Get this. He goes to Our Lady of Lourdes Grammar School. I'm the pastor yep. of Our Lady of Lourdes Parish on Long Island, by the way. Oh, so, How about that? He goes, and then he goes to Creighton High School, which is all boys Catholic. And then yep. when he comes to New York for a while, he's going to Marymount College. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, without blowing us all apart, the the good part of Catholic education for you was? Um, well, prep, Creighton Prep was the name of my high school. Um, well, going, going back to grade school, the, the best thing about that grade school, and it's, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I sort of took it for granted. It was kindergarten through eighth grade. I was with the same kids that entire time. The group was about 22 kids. Um, I felt very safe, very um, mm. seen and heard and, um that was that was great because it was a small group of kids and we were all friends. I mean, and everybody sort of, you know, there were times where this is a terrible thing to say, but like we sort of took turns bullying each other. But there was no like solid underdog. It was like everybody just sort of like picked on each other in this weird way because we all knew each other so well. Um, high school was a sort of a different situation. It was a much larger school. I think there's at the time there was a little over a thousand boys in that school mm -hmm. um so it was a little easier to get lost in the crowd but it was a great education and it took a it took a while for me to find my footing in a group that big though yeah. um freshman year and even most of sophomore year like I just didn't know what I was doing like it was easy to sort of get lost in the mix but then you know you find sort of your group of friends and you you know figure out sort of who you can trust and um so, so that was, uh, I, yeah, I think my, my, those experiences in, in terms of Catholic school were, were great. I guess the downside to it, um, would just be sort of the, um, 
the the judgment uh, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> particularly as like a as a gay kid that yeah, not that yeah. it was talked about a lot but that it did creep in um, and just sort of the you know especially in the eighties and the nineties there was a lot of stigma around being gay and um, you know I remember a priest saying. It, it, like uh, out loud at a mass that like in a group of a thousand teenage boys, he said that he was like, well, certainly there are no gay, gay boys at Creighton prep. And I was like, well, do the numbers, man. Like <laughs> a thousand, thousand boys in here. Like there's going to be a lot that are gay. Yeah. Um, but there was a big denial about that. So that was tough. Aside from Sorry in the Prom, Andrew has also written last year uh, a really powerful, wonderful book called Too Much is Not Enough. I love that I read it all in one sitting. But oh my one, gosh. Of the, one of the troubling things for me, because I do this for a living, is I had never known anybody who had ever been violated in confession. Uh, Andrew shares yeah. that he was. Like, Here's my question for you, Andrew. That, that priest who was a jerk to you, um, um, did you forgive him? Um, did I forgive him? Uh, I didn't really make space uh, for forgiveness for that. Um, it was really hard. I mean, I was in confession and I was about to confess that I was, you know, having these feelings and in fact was in a very predatory relationship with an older man. Yeah. And I was feeling very trapped. And I went to this priest who I really trusted and his response was to put his tongue in my mouth. Yeah. Um, that was his response to that. And he did it multiple times and, um, it was really hard. It was really, I, 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 it shook my, I mean, I think that that's, that's a big reason why I just rejected, yeah. um, the Catholic church for a long time was because yeah. I was like, I went to the, the place that was supposed to be safest and yeah. he abused it. So it was really hard. So do I forgive him? Um, I suppose on a certain level, I forgive him just for my own sake, just to move forward. Yeah. Um, but it was an extreme abuse of power. And if he did it to me, I can only assume that he did it to others. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, happily, Andrew, as you know, recently Pope uh, Francis came out supporting civil yeah. unions. Step in the right direction, no doubt about it. But I was struck when you go online at the amazing amount of uh, vile hatred he got for daring yeah. to say such a thing. When you oh, sure. run into that kind of invincible ignorance, uh, what's your response? Um, I've been very fortunate uh, that I haven't personally run into it um, yeah. uh, in quite some time, but um, I also live in a little bit of a bubble. You know, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm in New York or Los Angeles and I work in show business. Right, right. And so it's a pretty safe space to be who you are. But, you know, when I hear stories about... Um, people really being vilified for just being who they are. I mean, it just breaks my heart that, um, that they're still, because it's, it, when you really break it down, who is it? Who, how does that affect you? How does that, how does that affect you? If I want to marry my boyfriend, how does that take anything away from you? What is that? What does that change? Um, and it's really, that's, um, I guess that's the, the hardest thing to sort of wrap my head around is that, I don't, I don't understand why people insert themselves in others' lives in that way, particularly when it's, it's not even to be helpful. It's just to judge. Yeah. It's just to judge. And that, that's really hard. You know, uh, 
uh, one of the objections sometimes conservative Catholics will give me, not just Catholics, but Baptists, others too, will be, sure. well, you know, it's one thing for them to find each other, but you certainly can't trust them with children. Now, as chance would have it, <laughs> as chance would have it, you're involved with a man who made that decision to have his yeah. children. Uh, yeah. What do you think about those kids? Are they going to grow up because of this with an even more open mind? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, um, Tuck is a, a completely devoted father in a way that, yeah. um, you know, I love my dad very much, but he was, he, even though he was around a lot, he was sort of absent. You know, he was one of those very Midwestern dads from the, you know, grew up in the, you know, forties and fifties who just like dad came home and read the newspaper and didn't really interact <laughs> with yeah. us very much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Tuck is, you know, just you know does everything with those kids and loves those kids and i think that those so much and those kids i think really feel that and know that and you know the fact that we're together i don't know the conversations about his sexuality or what it means to be gay are you know kids are very i think naturally understanding about those things mm -hmm. and um they don't have any questions. They don't have any preconceived notions. So they just grow up knowing that like some men marry men, some men marry women, some women marry women. And like, that's, that's just the way the world works. Yeah. And it's really beautiful to see. And it was, you know, with, even with my own nieces and nephews, um, with them growing up with me as their uncle, they just sort of understood that that is an aspect of the world we live in. And it wasn't something they needed to be taught or, you know, um, figure out or, 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 you know, have to understand in some specific way. They just, they just know that that's the way that it works and they're very accepting of it. So I think kids are um, naturally very understanding and loving um, in a way that I don't know when, when we lose that as adults, but somewhere along the line, you lose it. Andrew, well, you it's, you know what, not to bring it back to musical theater. Yeah. <laughs> but I always like to, um, you know, there's Rogers and Hammerstein wrote that amazing song in South Pacific called you have to be carefully taught about yeah. racism. And that's really true. Like if the people who grow up to be bigoted, it's because they were taught to be bigoted. Yeah. Um, and who taught them their parents mm -hmm. um, and the, you know, people around them. And that's how, that's how that develops, unfortunately. I don't know if you've been to a baptism lately, but one of the things we do is we bless the kids' ears and mouth. And we say, uh, you know, I bless your ears in the hope that you'll hear the goodness of God. And I'm not just talking about in church. I'm talking about from your family because they're the That's first ones nice. to teach you the bad stuff, you know. Yeah, uh, sure. If they're going to learn it anyway in the world, but they don't have to learn it at home, hopefully. Uh, Rory, yeah. Rory O'Malley was a guest a couple of years ah, ago. Ah, Rory. Wonderful Rory. We love Rory. He's another dad. But yeah. I, mentioned, I mentioned it because in talking about you, uh, he said, you know, he's so funny and he's so smart. And I mentioned that because I wondered, sometimes it seems to me when I've known gay kids, especially, they are funny and they are smart, but it's a way of protecting themselves. Did, yeah. did, did, did humor come in handy for you? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think that naturally, I mean, my family has sort of a inherently very dark sense of humor. I think that comes from my well, from both my parents, really. And I don't know where that developed from, but that's just, yeah. it's, you know, I remember my dad, you know, teaching us from a very young age that like, if you're going to interrupt someone, especially at the dinner table, it better be funny. Yeah. Like if you're going to, if you're going to cut in, yeah. it better be good. It better be good. <laughs> so I think we all had to develop that sense of, of humor that like, we all had our eyes on 
you know, how to, how to outwit each other. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely. I think that, you know, I think gay people, queer people um, do develop uh, a, a sort of a sharper a sense of humor, I think, is sometimes as protection and and mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, to deflect and sometimes to be liked. Um, I was very fortunate. So in my tiny grade school, Our Lady of Lords, I had two best friends who were both gay and mm. grew up to be gay men. And it was funny that in a group that small in <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska, of right. 22 kids, there were three little gay boys. Oh my God. Um, and we all found each other. They all found each other. And um, yeah, we would have lip sync contests and all sorts of things. <laughs> um, it was very fun. It was very fun. So I'm very fortunate for that. You know, the problem for our listeners around the country is certainly about accepting yourself. So Andrew, I want to talk about two dimensions of accepting yourself. Even though you are one of the most busy working actors around, you have to have, in all the years you've been doing this, gone through the experience of, I was perfect for a part, I didn't get it. How does Andrew sure. deal with rejection? I decided uh, when I turned 30 that I was going to keep my eyes on my own paper because I spent, <laughs> all of, I spent all of my 20s being jealous of other people. Yeah. And I, um, I wasted a lot of energy being jealous of what other people had. And when I turned 30, I was in Jersey Boys in Toronto. We had just opened Jersey Boys in Toronto. And I just, I felt like, you know, I, I do this well. I do what I do well. Yeah. It's not going to be right for everything. Um, but there's a lot of jobs to go around. And there's a lot of opportunities for people. And that everybody, when you stick around long enough in this business, everybody has, gets to have their moment. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't take away from yours. And it's sometimes hard to remember. But, you know, when I came back into, I came back to New York after doing Jersey Boys. I did Jersey Boys for a while on Broadway. And, and then shortly after was cast in the Book of Mormon. And I think the only reason that I was cast in the Book of Mormon was because I went in. I wasn't nervous. I just decided that I do what I do. And if you like what I do, then I'm right for your job. If you don't like what I do, thank you very much for your time. (laughs) But I just, I went in and I just, I felt very confident about like, this is the way that I do it. Um, If you like it, thanks for having me. And and it Mm. turns out Trey Parker, a fellow Midwesterner, um, he liked it. He liked what I did. So there so self-acceptance. All right. Now, yes. the, other part, the other part of that, I've seen you in falsettos, and I've seen you in the boys in the band, and you still have the looks thing and the youth thing going for you. But <laughs> uh, here's the deal uh, for our listeners around the country. Sooner or later, we all go through this experience, Andrew, of getting older. Now, I mention that because... How this, dare you? <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. In this world where we worship youth and looks, yeah. how well does Andrew say... I'm not afraid of the years ahead. I'm not afraid of aging. Um, I'm not afraid of, of, of aging so much. I know it's sort of the natural progression of things. Right. Um, and, you know, as an actor, I think it's, it's interesting that you grow into different types. You grow mm-hmm. into different roles. And there is something exciting about that. And I, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go back. I wouldn't want to go back to yeah. playing Link Larkin and Hairspray. Like it's more, <laughs> it's more fun to get to be an adult. And I think the older you get, you get, you know, 
hopefully the opportunity to, and there's more material to play sort of richer, deeper people. Mm -hmm. Um, So I sort of look forward to it. And then, you know, on a personal level, my dad died at 61. So, which is, you know, pretty young. Um, And I, uh, so I'm just very grateful to be, you know, living. And I think it, you know, he, when he died, I was 22. And I think that really put in perspective um, how valuable time is. So mm-hmm. I certainly don't want to wish anything away or wish I was someplace that I'm not. This may be a segue into a quasi spiritual question, but Brian Darcy James, when he was on, talked about his father dying uh, in his forties. And yeah. uh, the question I asked him, he said, yes, he, he does. He talks to his father. He, he believes in the afterlife. Um, huh. What about yourself? Is is there a sense of life beyond this life? Do you talk to dad? Um, I think about him a lot. Mm-hmm. I think about him a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think about my grandmother a lot. I think yeah. about, you know, there are, uh, and I, you know, anytime I have any sort of, you know, momentous moment in my life of, you know, an opening night or some award show or something like, I wish that he could see it. I wish that he was there. I wish, I hope that he knows that. Yeah that, you know, things are going well. Um, Because when he died, I was really like a really struggling actor. So I just want to show him like, no, it worked out. Everything's okay. Um, So I don't know if I, I I believe that we keep people with us. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that as long as you keep them, you know, if they're in your heart, I feel like that keeps them alive in some way. Yeah. I promise, last question. For our yeah, listeners sure. around the country who I want to go see the prom. Yes, you, well, what, it, what it'll be hoping, in your home. What are you hoping that they're going to see? Well, um, the great thing about it, it will be, you know, December 11th. It'll be on Netflix. You can okay. watch it from the, the comfort of your home. <laughs> right. you know, it's wonderful. <laughs> so uh, I think that it's, it's it, you know, as I said, it works on a lot of levels. I think mm-hmm. that, you know, you can watch it with your, your whole family. And I think that there is, it sounds cheesy, but there is something in there for everyone for like yeah. every age group um uh i hope that the you know the people just feel good when they watch it um i think that we we set out to make a film um about joy and acceptance and i think you know when i watched it and i sort of forgot that i was in it um i really did you you finish it and you do have a sense of of joy um there's a lightness to it there's a, a love to it and i i hope that when people that, you know, that last number is over that people watch it and they walk away smiling and feeling good. You know, Andrew, I've been uh, doing interviews for a long time. The first one was with the film director, Frank Capra, many years ago. Sure. It's a wonderful life, right? Yeah. I I mentioned that because doing so many of these, you get used to people who have uh, canned answers kind of all formulated ahead of time. You think through your answer, you're open-minded uh, you're delightful, and thank you so oh, much for sharing so nice of you. your thoughts and your feelings with us on Personally Speaking. Let's go sell a million tickets. Everyone watching and listening, please yes, go see in. The Prom. Andrew, thank you for your time. You're a great thank man. Thank you for having me. As we end today's program, I want to thank all of you for being with us. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can send them to me through my website, which is www.CloseEncounterTV.com. All one word closeencountertv.com to listen to our personally speaking podcast with some of our most recent shows please go to youtube and search under personally speaking with monsignor jim lasanti and subscribe personally speaking is also available as a podcast on apple podcasts iheart and spotify 
You can also listen to past episodes by going to www.ollmp.org. Ollmp.org. And you'll get not only recent shows, but also Monsignor Jim's weekly homilies. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, personally speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. And thank you all so much for being with us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking. Personally Speaking.